I called the guy, he's a doctor um, that owned 52 units in a, a class A area. And uh, I did my normal spiel, right? I did, hey, this is Jamil. Um, you know, um, my partners are, uh, and myself looking to purchase this uh, 52 units that you own. We are actually looking to do a 1031 exchange uh, from another property that we own. And, uh, you know, we really want, you know, you know, are you open to selling or would you consider an offer? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the official 9 to 5 CEO podcast. This is the show where two 9 to 5ers discuss gyms, strategies, and how to survive the lifestyle of balancing a job and building a business. And now, here are your hosts, Tremaine Robinson and Zena Dixon. Hello, and welcome to the 9 to 5 CEO podcast. I am one half Tremaine, aka the 9 to 5 landlord. And I'm Zena Dixon, a.k.a. Zena Dixon, Inc. And today on this show, we have two very special guests. If y'all want to go ahead and introduce yourselves. Uh, my name is Eric Friday, uh, co-founder of Monopoly Bros, real estate investor, um, wholesaler, landlord, buy and flip. Yeah. And uh, other co-founder of Monopoly Bros, Jamil Strickland, um, house hacked first home, um, landlord, buy and flip, as well as wholesale business with Eric as well. Wow, you guys are busy. <laughs> I got a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So tell us how you met, because Tremaine was just telling me that you guys really didn't know each other before you embarked on this huge deal that we're going to talk about later on in the podcast. I mean, yeah, I mean, what's up? Uh, so originally we met at a uh, Jay Morrison event. This was in 2016. Um, this was... Uh, I mean, at that time, honestly, I didn't really have much people to follow and look at on social media. He was like one of the first people I I saw that was actually doing something and made it relatable as far as real estate was concerned. Mm-hmm. We did a uh, he did a basically a free class, but then he gave people the option of paying to do like a private um, walkthrough and tour and spend a day with him. Um, that's when I met J- uh, Jamil that he, he both we both paid to do that. Um, and we met each other. That was in 2016, just at that event. Well, that's dope. So I'm tell a quick story. That's similar to how me and Tremaine started this podcast. We we did a live together just because, you know, he saw what I was doing and he's doing something similar. So we had always been chatting in the DMs and he was just like, yo, let's have, let's start a podcast. And I was like, let's do it. So it's like, you know, when you meet that person and it's like that synergy and you know, like you can rock with them. That's, that's important because sometimes people in your own circle, you can't even bring them into something like that because they're not there mentally or, you know, they're just not ready. So it's, it's like really cool that you guys met and you you're doing what you're doing right now. So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's really, I mean, I mean, most people get rich with strangers. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, so uh, I'm not surprised at how you and Tremaine met and looking back at it, you know, hindsight's 2020. I'm not surprised how me and Eric got aligned because like just our the way, just we're intentional about a lot of things and what we move and how we do things. It makes sense. So uh, I'm just happy to that we start Monopoly Bros and, and just ready to talk, you know, just happy about the journey we want. Yeah. And the funny thing is, like you said, we didn't plan on doing any of this together. It was just like I met someone. He met someone that was like you say, the synergy was there. The like mindedness was there. And then we just happened to be buying. um, I had 
already purchased a house. He was in the process of purchasing a house, which was, was our first rentals, which were less than a mile apart from each other. So it was like you meet this person, you're you're pretty much meeting them at the same point in your real estate journey. And it's someone that you say, like you say, the synergy and the like mindedness is there. And then we just started building from there. But even then, we still had no idea we would start this, though. True. Or wow. close an apartment building together. Right. Right. No, no. Yeah, we're going to definitely get to that. Um, but to kind of take it back, if you guys don't mind, uh, Ashton, what were you guys doing for your nine to five uh, prior to getting your first building? And what was you guys' first inkling as far as hearing about real estate? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll go in because I'm still in nine to five. So uh, Eric kind of talked about his journey a little bit. Uh, I actually started, I graduated. So 2016, I actually graduated college. So I played uh, basketball, um, college basketball. Right out of college, I actually got a job at a big hospital, uh, like in the business side of things. And then um, I got fired. <laughs> so like I bought a house, which is my duplex, a house had to duplex in the suburbs. And then um, uh, like three months after getting after house hacking, I uh, uh, I got fired from my job. So that was like my nine to five. Then I got into uh, the mortgage business where I'm still in, which I'm still in right now. I, I do a little bit different role now, but uh, I was a uh, mortgage banker. So I was helping people out with refinances uh, on their homes. And um, uh, that's kind of like the nine to five aspect as far as uh, for me personally. Yeah. Um, and for me, uh, do you want like the first nine to five job I had or like just to transition the job right before I started the real estate? Job right before. Yeah. Okay, so I was um, I was working as a project engineer for Chrysler. Um, they were based. The, the project was based in Indiana. Um, well, um, it was in Indiana, right outside of uh, Indianapolis. But of course, we're from Detroit. So I was traveling Monday, staying there till Thursday or Friday and then coming back home. Um, and I was doing that for three years, uh, two and a half, three years before I got in and introduced to real estate. And for me, it was just the, the, at, the, at that time period, my son was he was just starting kindergarten. And I felt that um, my absence being on the road was affecting him and his behavior in school. So I started looking for alternatives because I was looking around and just seeing I was working in a plant. I wasn't doing plant jobs, but I was a project engineer. So I was in the plant and I was just looking at the the what was around me. And people, you know, people were 50, 60 years old. They had spent 30, 40, half their life in this plant. And I just could not see myself doing that. I just it, being with my family was just way more important than that amount of money. So I started looking for things, alternatives that I could do to basically replace that income that I was making, which was pretty good income. And I just happened to stumble upon um, Jay on the um, Breakfast Club. And he was talking about wholesaling, buying and flipping, buying and holding one to four units and five plus units. And so that's how I got introduced. And that was in 2014. The end of 2014. And are you still at your nine to five? Wait. No. Oh, okay. I'm full time real estate now. Oh, okay. Awesome. So was that jump to full time scary for you? Um, it's weird. I was just having this conversation with someone like within the last week. Like, you know, a lot of people when they when when they say you're making that transition or what they what they say you should do when you're making that transition is to be prepared. And to have like, you know, six months of income or 12 months of income and expenses in a bank account. I'll be honest, I had nowhere near that. Like I had nothing in remotely close to what I needed to sustain myself as far as uh, bills. 
what it was for me though, I did have like systems and kind of a steady um, deal flow as far as wholesale deals. And I had rentals already. Um, and I had uh, some, I think at the time I had a flip that hadn't sold yet. Yeah, I had a flip that hadn't sold. So I knew I had money coming in, but as far as having a certain amount of money in the bank, I did not have. Um, so, But for me, it wasn't, I'm a, a I'm a very calculated risk taker. Like if it's something, like I'm, I'm not a gambler per se, but I have a high level um, or a high tolerance for risk in certain, when I feel it's calculated and when I've kind of done some things. Um, so for me, it wasn't, it wasn't scary because it would have been more scary had I woke up 30, 40 years from now and said, I wish I had took that chance. Nice. So for me, it was like, all right, worst case scenario, I'm back at a job. Right. A month, I have two months, three months, whatever the case may be. But I refuse to wake up 30 years from now and say, I wish I had took the opportunity to exit out of my career. And then I it was a little different because I actually got fired. But I, <laughs> I, I, I actually answered. I went to like the manager in the company like, look, because he because he had, had a conversation with me prior to say, like, hey, look, you haven't been here. What, what's going on? Something's going on. I was like, yeah, you know, I got I got personal issues going on which it was, I wasn't interested in the job. I was spending more time in real estate, but I told him like, look, I, t- I need to take a leave of absence. I need to do this until June. And he was like, okay, so what happens if, you, if you're not able to take it? I'm like, well, I guess I'm gonna have to leave. So he's like, okay, I'm thinking about it. And then later that, that night I got a call that I was fired. So it was it was kind of weird for me because I'm, I was trying to take a leave of absence to kind of patent, to create that cushion for that mm-hmm. expense. And they were like, nope, we're okay. And they fired me that day. So I don't know. It, it was a fearful thing. But at the same time, I just felt like I would be more afraid if I didn't do it. Right. Right. So in hindsight, what would you have done different for your exit? Um, I know it was like unexpected, you know, because they mm-hmm. were just like, no, we're not going to give you the leave. But in hindsight, and, I, and the reason why I want to say this is because, you know, our listeners, they you know, they're in that space where they're like, they're, they're, they're very distracted by what they're doing in real estate. They're not really, you know, tapped into work just enough to get the paycheck, but mm-hmm. they know that at some point I'm gonna have to leap, but I need to have like a, a calculated leap. So in hindsight, what would you have done different had you had the fourth thought that this is what I need to do? Um, yeah, I would have just been more disciplined um, with my income because at the time I was making $80,000 a year on top of all the wholesale stuff I was doing on top of the rentals, on top of the flips. Um, and then when I left that, I left $80,000 and I would go 30, 45 days without. And I'm like, well, how did I do this? I was, I, I felt like I was struggling or I was living check to check with the job. And then now that I don't have it, I'm still maintaining and still surviving or even doing more now. So I'm like, what happened? And it's just, I got disciplined with my expenses. I wasn't going out. I wasn't spending extra money on eating out. I really trimmed like the fat when it came to my expenses. So like got rid of cable. Um, I, I talked to my phone company, was able to get that. My phone bill dropped tremendously. Any extra bills that I just didn't have to pay for, I got rid of them. Mm-hmm. Um, um, like the uh, subscriptions. The, I even got rid of Audible, which I love listening to books. I got rid of Audible. Mm-hmm. Um, so like any ex, uh, subscriptions I got rid of. But yeah, honestly, I would just really be disciplined in what I'm doing with my income. Like if you if you have a job and you have a secondary income, you should pretty much be saving that if you're not reinvesting it into either your business or other uh, investments so that you can, uh, you know, be prepared to quit your job. 
I, I, I just wasn't. I, I wasn't spending my money wisely. Um, I wasn't doing what I needed to do. I wasn't being disciplined with my money. Yeah, so I would say, yeah, trim, get, get to get your expenses as low as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, phone bill, car, car note, if you have it, if you can't get rid of it, house note, rent, um, Wi-Fi. You know, if you can pay off your credit card debt, do that. Um, if you can get to like those main things where like you're only paying Wi-Fi because you're going to need it, your phone because you're going to need it, a car note and car insurance if you can't get out of your note, um, rent and mortgage. I would say get to that point because usually, I mean, depending on where you're at, like where we're at, I, I could with those things, I could be under two grand a month in expenses. Wow. It's it's very it's a lot easier to maintain two grand versus four, five, four or five grand in added expenses. Very true. Very true. And what about you? Um, what, w- what would your advice be for, you know, individuals that are looking to transition? Because I know you said you're still at work. You're a mortgage broker. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not much working anymore, but yeah, I got moved around. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still working nine to five. Yeah. So I know that probably you're working on your exit strategies, and are you imparting, you know, the things that your partner just said? Are there other things that people should consider that you know that you're working on for your exit strategy? Because I know with your 52 unit, at some point you probably will need to, you know, go ahead and make a move. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do mine a little bit different in the sense of like timing it. Um, reason being is one, I don't hate my job. Uh, most people go on Twitter and Instagram and tell me I hate it, which is fine. If you hate it, you hate it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Eric hated his job. <laughs> I don't hate my job, right? I work with people I, I, I want to work with. I like people in the city. Trade a lot of people. It's just I get a little, little bit of impact of what I do. I'm a leader. I kind of like run teams and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't necessarily hate my job, but I do know I got leave at some point right that's just that's just it's just i got a dream that's what i gotta do right but i am trying to be strategic in it right so i get a w i got a decent w2 so how can i leverage that to get more properties um expenses right uh, i want to be more uh, one of my goals is i want to be more uh risky or i want to be i want to put more into the business i've ever done this year and i have the safety cushion of a job where i can say where eric don't well hopefully eric don't have to put the burden in because he's a full-time entrepreneur and mm-hmm. i can put up more money for stuff right so i want to use like it's just it's like I think it out, right? We a team now. So if I could put up more money for marketing, um, branding, and use my safe, you know, W two income, yeah. uh, we're gonna do that until you know what I'm saying, until it's time for me to leave. I'm not necessarily scared to leave, but I want to get to a point where our systems in place, our marketing's flowing, we get to this many, um, you know, our investor list is bigger, and then I can make my exit um uh, the right way. And also just leverage the down to five. There's a lot of things I can leverage with it. So it's still all for the business. My mind is still on the business, even though I'm working my nine to five, mm-hmm. uh, but it's all timing. Right. Right. That that's, that's amazing. Um, Tremaine and I have similar paths with that. Um, I actually do love my job. I'm a leader where I am and the things that I work on is very interesting to me, but I do struggle with trying to balance you know, all the meetings that people try to have with me on the yeah. side and, you know, trying to visit properties. Re- yeah. Working remote has been a godsend, but it's still a challenge trying to juggle everything and still be a top performer at my job. So yeah. I appreciate you guys sharing that. Um, I am really excited to hear about this 52 unit deal. Like, I don't know if you have any questions, Tremaine, but I just want to get to the meat of it. <laughs> oh, my last question prior to that is, can you guys walk me through your first real estate deal? And how long after that mm-hmm. deal did you guys have the transformation to think more commercial? Hmm, that's good. 
I'll jump real quick. So mine, <laughs> if, if anybody goes to our Instagram or follow us, like a lot of our tagline, like our our, our big, like, I guess, branding pushes, we started with a uh, with $10,000 single family home in a hood to a 52 unit uh, apartment building in the suburbs, right? So my first, actually his is cheaper. I let him talk about his, but my first deal, I, I bought a $10,000 single family home in the west side of Detroit and um, bought it for 10 grand, pretty much didn't really have to do much to it. And I started renting it out. So that was like my first deal. I got it from a wholesaler, got it from somebody that was in our network, a wholesaler. And then, um, uh, and that was like my first real estate deal. I bought it cash um, through saving up for my job. And then also, I don't think I tell people this because I was scared of like legal stuff, but I think it's too late now and I'm about to hopefully sell it. <laughs> but <laughs> I actually used some of my student loan money to help pay for it because I didn't have the money, right? Like I didn't come from money. So like I had a scholarship for basketball, but also was able like, I don't know what my friend made me. I don't know why. Just thinking back, it's crazy to think about it. But I just wanted more money, and I don't know why. And so I went to the FHA student loan office, whatever it is, and asked for, like, a separate grant or a separate loan. They gave me, like, a loan for, like, eight grand or, like, seventy five hundred, eight grand because uh, I, I claimed <laughs> I needed so much money for, like, life stuff. And I was going through a lot, which I was, but wasn't that bad looking back at it. And so I got it for, like, 3% student loan so i had like seven grand and i saved up my job money I was like, and i got the 10 grand cash and that's how i bought my first house which is crazy even talking about it that's amazing i don't think people would think about using their student loan money to- <laughs> if you listen to this like i'm not saying that. i just at that time though like it's an i say it's a good thing but sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do like that single family home lead me to what everyone talk about his me and eric kind of really developing a relationship and me learning a lot about tenants and landlording and, and, and home. So I ain't saying do it, but in a weird way, I'm like, you do got to kind of figure it out. Like if you come from a situation where you wasn't handling a lot of things, you might have to, you know, do things that's unconventional to, to get to your goal. But anyways, that was, that was my first deal. That's amazing, though. I really love that story. And actually, it's not the first time I heard somebody use their student loan for to buy okay. property. So Uh-oh, it's going to be a big trend <laughs> thing on Twitter. Out. Oh, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> Um, for me, my first deal, I, it was pretty standard. It wasn't like I wasn't, I didn't use, and it was pretty, I mean, it's cheap. Um, <laughs> I, I bought my first house from the, uh, our, uh, tax County auction, um, in 2015, it was $1,100. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, that, that, I, of course I paid all cash. That was at the time I was only working like a, $30,000 a year job and I was still able to afford that. I don't I really don't remember where I got the money from. I know it might have been, it might have been school too actually. <laughs> I wasn't, honestly, or just me saving up some money like I say it was only $1,100 so it wasn't that much. Um but yeah, I bought it $1,100. Um I put about 12 grand into it um and I rented it out. It's been rented out ever since. Same tenants since 2016. Is when I finished the re- the rehab. Um, I did. I, I had some I subcontracted some of the work out, like some of the plumbing, the electrical, um, some of the tile work. Um, and then my uncle helped me do a lot of the carpenter stuff. Um, and then my dad, too. And then friends and family helped as well as far as the manual labor with getting some of that stuff done. Um, but yeah, pretty much done that uh, pretty much, you know, all in-house rehab. Um, like I say, spent about 12 grand, used credit cards to do that, which I wouldn't suggest doing unless you're planning on refining out of that money. Mm-hmm. Um, because I literally being completely transparent, I literally just paid all my credit cards off and that was a portion of it. 
that I, I mean, it probably got paid off technically, but there were still balances that started from when I started that rehab. So I would not advise you do a rental rehab with a credit card unless you plan on refining out of that money so you can pay your credit cards back because those interest rates are always going to be higher than a uh, bank loan or, you know, uh, other traditional lending. Uh, so, yeah, but that was that was what I did. Bought it for eleven hundred, spent about twelve grand um, on the rehab, rented it out for six seventy five or something. And it's been rented out ever since. Same tenants. Did you ever want to do a cash out refi? Because I know like with you adding the rehab, it the ARV should have been higher. Yeah. So a part of it was I knew nothing about cash out refis at the time that I did it. I just probably saw that online. Like you can use your credit cards to do it. And I did it. The thing is to do that, you got to make sure that the area supports cash out refis. And that property is just not in there. It's in a decent neighborhood, but it's, it's the values are still sub 50 grand. I mean, they're, they're just now, and they're just now getting to 50, 60 grand. Got it, value. got it. And that was six years ago, seven years ago. So, um, yeah, it just it just wasn't an opportunity. I probably could do it now. Mm-hmm. Probably could do it now. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I prefer it free and clear. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So that was that. That's amazing. I, I I'm always in awe when people tell me that they find properties for less than ten thousand dollars. Like I'm like, where is the magic sauce? Because I need it. Because I never see stuff like that. <laughs> what market are you in? I'm in Chicago, Philly, and New Jersey. Uh-oh. Yeah, Jersey and Chicago. Yeah, that's like <laughs> yeah. two of the. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. I mean, it, it's obviously it's harder to find that type of stuff now. But I mean, we're still getting stuff under contract for sub twenty grand. But it's just a lot harder. It's a lot harder. That's, yeah. yeah, that's it's amazing. That's dope. That's dope. So, um, can you talk about the transition you guys have as far as um once you had your aha moment as far as transitioning from you know residential stuff under four units to thinking commercial. Um, initially my, my, it was always my, my plan. Honestly. Um, I, I learned from Jay, it was wholesale first, buy and flip, buy and hold, go one to four units and then go five plus. Um, and that's literally what I did. Like I wholesaled, well, I bought my first rental, but I then went strictly into wholesaling, buying and flipping more buy and holds, a duplex and now the 52 unit. So it was always in my plans. Um, I didn't know how I was going to do it. Um, I, or I didn't know it would come about this way, but it was always in the back of my mind that, that wholesaling was was never enough. Buying and flipping homes was never enough. Buying a single family home was never enough. It was always, I want to own multi-units. So it was always in the back of my mind, but it was in 2000, what was that? When we, we bought that? 2019 was when I had saw, I was steady deal flow with wholesale. I had done, you know, multiple buy and flips. I had multiple rentals. Um, I had a duplex. Um, I was, you know, I was progressing towards things and I was like, well, this isn't enough for me. Cause it's like, it's just, especially with wholesaling and buying and flipping, it's a, it's active income. So you mm-hmm. gotta be working for, to make money. And that's just not, that's not my goal. My yeah. goal is to be able to sit and, go travel and still make the same amount of money if I was at, you know, in a flip or whatever. So it was like, all right, well, what was, okay, you're right. You know, what was next? You need five plus units. So I had this mindset and then um, I was already progressing towards doing it, you know, starting my research, doing different things to get into it. And then Jamil called me one day and basically it was, the conversation was just kind of like, what do you think about, you know, apartment buildings? Like, you know, and he's telling me, you know, like kind of where his, his mind is at and, you know, where his finances is at. And we're talking, I'm like, 
dude, you, you're the only one that I know in this space that is on the same wavelength as me. Not saying that there weren't other people, but he was the only one that I had talked to and spoken about it with. Um, we had that conversation. And then later that year, I joined a real estate, multifamily real estate group um, that was solely focused on multifamily investing. And then pretty much seven months after that was when we got the, the 52 unit under contract. So it, like I say, it, it started with, I was always in the back of my mind. I started the process and I gradually got to where I was at. And I was like, all right, well, what's next? Commercial multifamily is next. We had a conversation. I joined the group. He came on a trip and we got a property under contract. It's kind of short. I remember, I remember seeing that on your, on your um, Instagram and I was just like, I'm going to follow them because that's what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate that. Um, and again, it just talks about the alignment because you two are both on the same wavelength in terms of scaling to a big level and yeah. both of you were ready to jump in at the same time. So can you talk about how you came across this deal? How did you d- decide to, how was the underwriting? How was, you know, just giving a high level to our listeners who may be considering, you know, wanting to get into the commercial space? Yeah, yeah. I, I, before I jump into it, I do want to say like, I think, um, what he, Eric hit on about joining his multifamily group was huge and having networks that do it, like being around people that do it. Uh, that, that was like the first thing we actually did. I think that's very important because like, when you, changed the game. it changed the game. Like now we talking about it. We, we hear people do cash out like this. They're doing wraparound mortgages. Everybody's talking about it. I'm like, I didn't know you could do that. Or you said I could do it with my single family home. So that's start like the, the conference was started, right? So I want to just put that out there. So I know people bash groups and bash masterminds, which some do deserve it. But there's some that's like, I mean, just on a different level. Like, I mean, when I get into it, these people in these masterminds were the ones, our partners in the deal, right? So that just proves how important that is, right? But anyway, so I kind of get into it. So um, after me and him left from, we was in Florida or Texas? We went to Texas first. Texas first. We left the mastermind group in Texas, right? They did like a little event, whatever. After that, um, we built some connections. We actually got a list, um, a list of uh, our area. We picked areas that we were comfortable with, like certain counties and cities and such. And then once we got that, actually, I probably should bring it to like our conversation, but it's cool for this point. It's, it's cool. Yeah, she said high level. High level. Yeah, we get high level. So let's, let's get to it. I was going to get to some of you, right? So we pulled a list. Um, or no, we didn't. We got a list from a guy that could get a list. He emailed us a list of the of the areas we want. We know we want to buy multifamily in, but we knew that area was people that would invest in that area. So we were strategic and thinking like, okay, these are class B, class A areas. So therefore, we know investors would like to um, park their money here. So we started mm-hmm. off with that in mind. So we pulled that list. We got that list, and me and him got right into the office that final weekend and started cold calling. And um, we cold calling, cold calling, cold calling. I called the guy. He's a doctor um, that owned 52 units in a, a class A area. And uh, I did my normal spiel. Right. I did. Hey, this is Jamil. Um, you know, um, my partners are uh, and myself looking to purchase this uh, 52 units that you own. We are actually looking to do a 1031 exchange uh, from another property that we own. And, uh, you know, we really want, you know, you know, are you open to selling? Or would you consider an offer? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> Eric, I'm like, uh, he said, yeah, I didn't know. So it's to come like that. And then, uh, <laughs> then from there, you know, I asked for, um, uh, two things, which I know we got to get is the rent roll. Right. And then the T12. 
Do you work a nine to five or looking to add more value to your five to nine through rental property investment? Rental property management does not have to be difficult, confusing, or impossible while you work your day job. Tremaine, a.k.a. the 9 to 5 Landlord 414 presents 9 to 5 Landlording 101 for Beginners. This complete guide will help you to manage your rental units while you focus on your 9 to 5, and Tremaine will give you the entire blueprint, the tools, and the processes he's personally used to manage his rental unit portfolio while working his 9 to 5. Grab yours today at 9 to 5. 9to5landlord414.gumroad.com That's 9to5landlord414.gumroad.com It's 9to5landlording101 for beginners by Tremaine, a.k.a. the 9to5landlord414. If you're looking to buy your first multifamily property but don't know where to start, don't worry any longer. We have a solution for you. Book a one-on-one 60-minute call with Zena Dixon today. In our time together, you will receive the answers to your questions, insight into your goals, and an action plan that you can put into motion to start you and your family on your wealth-building journey. Investing in multifamily real estate was the beginning for countless millionaires. And now is your turn. Book with Zena Zena Dixon today at Calendly.com forward slash Zena Dixon INC. That's Calendly.com forward slash Z E N A D I X O N I N C. Also, see the link in the show notes. With those two documents, you could begin underwriting. So, until you get the rent roll, until you get the T12, you know, you're kind of just speculating some things. But I know I need that to get the underwriting. Switch back to for yeah. our listeners, can you break down rent rolls and what a T12 is? Yeah, yeah. so um, rent rolls is, is pretty simple in the sense of like, it shows the rents of that year, of the, t- of the tenants paying rents to the property, right? So it shows the breakdown of uh, a couple of things too, like uh, like this one particularly had the unit mix. So it showed like two bedrooms, one bath, one bedroom, one bath. And it showed everybody's name, the tenant's name, as well as how much they're paying for that unit. So whatever we can see, okay, how much is this, how much you know, how much are actually this this building pulling in, right? Mm-hmm. And then a T twelve, which is a trailing twelve, uh, that just kind of gathers all the information uh, on the property um, in a sense of their income statement, the um, uh, what else is the uh, profit and loss? Yeah, so yeah, the T twelve shows everything, how much income they make, yeah. Uh, how much expenses they have and then it will break down everything so like they're getting income this amount of money from rents they're getting this amount of money from laundry facilities they're getting this much money from uh you know credit card payments yeah um they pay this much in operating costs they pay this much in debt service they pay a landscaper they pay this much in repairs they fix the roof so it's really like the report card for the last 12 uh, 12 months to show everything from incoming and expenses and then even net profit so that you can start like like Jamil mentioned so you can start underwriting it to know whether it's a deal or not yeah awesome and so that was surprising you said you called and he was like yeah let's do it and so you got to um, the t12 you got the rent rolls and you was like okay we looked at this and it's a go what happens after that well, it, it, we didn't, we figured it was a go, but we didn't a hundred percent know. Um, because again, this was all very new to, new to us. This was like the, probably the third or fourth deal we had under, under rope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we didn't know if we were accurate. So what I did, and this is again, to Jamil's point, I'm in this real estate, this multifamily real estate group. We, it's a discord group chat. 
I know when I put this in this group chat, I know there's going to be interest, yeah. but I also want people to look at it as in they want to partner with us. And so they know that I don't necessarily need you. Um, it's more so okay. like, hey, if you're interested, you know, if you want to help out, you know. So I put it in the group chat um, and the owner of the company, he, which I knew he would probably be interested. Um, he reached out to me. He messaged me and said, hey, um, I would I would be interested in helping you guys underwrite it. Would also be interested in maybe partnering on it if it's a deal, which I knew. I honestly knew that. Um, but again, I didn't want to just assume and just send it to him. I, I'd much rather just throw it in the group chat and say, hey, if anyone's interested. So he reached out um, and a few people reached out, actually. Um, but we did end up getting on a call with him. And when he got on the call and he's looking at the numbers, he's done tons of deals. He's closed, you know, million dollars worth of real estate transactions and multifamily. And his response to it, let us know it was a deal. Like it, it confirmed it for us. Like we we felt it could possibly be a good deal. But his response and and him going through what he had did, done in a, a, a kind of a sub market, not much lower than where we're at, but just a little bit below and what they were able to do and what they were, were able to accomplish solidified that it was a deal. Yeah. Awesome. So and that's the benefit of having that group and those relationships, because you don't have mm-hmm. to you can leverage them to say, hey, no, to look over your work, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you have any issues with the financing portion of it? Because um, just just from doing my own research, you have to you have to come to the lenders and you have to speak a certain language and you mm-hmm. have to, you know, be able to, you know, defend how you're going to value add to this property, how they are going to get paid, because that's all they care about. Is this thing profitable? Is it going to make us money? So yeah. can you speak to that? Or was the person that you brought in from the discord group? you know, headlining that portion of it for you guys? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he headlined a lot of it. So the beauty, the beauty of this is that, um, you know, he headlined a part of, he headlined the whole thing. Let's say he was the, the brains of the operation. Right. And the beauty of that is we got to see every, any, everything that went down and to kind of answer your question is um, we brought in other partners, right? So we got another partner that that does that. He handles insurance. He has relationship with the lenders. Um, he was able to kind of pull together all that. And when you have a relationship with a lender and you've done a lot of deals with them, it wasn't, I know like what you read is probably true, but it wasn't like a lot of tugging at all. That was like, oh, this is you? You, do, you did, you know, you got $50 million worth of real estate? Yeah, show me what you got. It wasn't um, as much teeth pulling. Uh, in his case, that's why he brought another partner in, right? And another partner was like a, a really good rehab guy. So everybody had their role in this, right? And so to answer your question, um, it wasn't much of a, a pool because we had, um, they raised money already. Um, they raised, you know, quite a bit of money already. It was a 1031 exchange. And so they had the money for the down payment, right? They had a relationship with the lender uh, and insurance people and everybody else, you know, every other part. It was more so when you ready to close. And real quick, and one thing I want to point out is like what Jamil is describing is they literally had everything, but they were missing one component. And that was the component we brought. Yeah. So and that was the deal. Yeah. They had the money, they had the resources, they had the relationships, but they had they didn't have the deal to 1031. And once you start getting into what a 1031 is, you'll realize how valuable it is to have a deal because they, they're on a timeline. They're on a yeah. clock to transfer that money over. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Being that that being said, the, the the reason why we started the Monopoly Bros brand is because it is something that everyone can do. You can literally start wholesaling and get to this point. We didn't have to spearhead, spearhead, 
the majority of that deal, but we did add a tremendous amount of value in having found the deal and done mm-hmm. the legwork. And if you focus on that aspect, or if you're the, the money guy, you focus on that, but then also you focus on building the relationships up front and doing what you say you should have done when you were wholesaling, when you were buying and flipping, when you were buying and holding, that makes when you when it's time to get an apartment deal that much easier. Because the whole reason why we were able to do this so easily, I was in the group, Jamil had already established a relationship with the, the owner of the group. I had already established a relationship with the owner of the group. I had already established a relationship with another partner, had no idea he was gonna come into the deal, but I had established a relationship with him. So it was like, we had a track record even prior to doing this that made them willing to do this deal with us. Right. So that's why it's like anybody can do it. All you have to do is be setting yourself up, even when you're when you're wholesaling or when you're buying and flipping. Do what you say you're going to do. Have integrity, have morals, build those relationships, make the relationships meaningful for both parties. Mm-hmm. And then when it's time to close a deal, because you might not have the money, you might not have the resources, you can go to someone that does. And they're now willing to bring you into the deal because they know, okay, you know, Eric's a good person. He'll do this. When he say he, he's going to do something, he's going to do it. I like working with Eric. I like working with Jamil. So I think right. that is like uh, one of the things that I really want to drive home for people is that it is difficult and it can be difficult, but it can be simple too if you do the right things starting out. Right, right. And that, that just goes to show that adage about your net your network is your net worth is so, so yeah. true because in yep. your case, that's a million dollar deal, I'm sure. And it was because, you, you know, you, you, you set it up, but you had the relationships to knock it down. So yep. that's that's amazing. Um, and it's encouraging because me, me and um, Tremaine, we want to get into commercial space. So just, you know, seeing someone that looks like us that's done it, it's encouraging. <laughs> yeah. And um, that point you brought up about the 1031 exchange, that's very key. Um, just to further elaborate as an accountant, I kind of go through that a lot. So for listeners that might not know what a 1031 exchange is, it's when you sell a building or an asset. And as opposed to paying tax on that profit, you roll those profits into another similar building. So if you have a four unit building that you might have sold, you have a certain amount of profit that you don't want to pay tax. You can defer paying tax if you buy a similar asset, like an eight unit or a 12 unit. So I just thought I'd say that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Yeah. So um, if you guys could, could you guys just talk about how life has been since you guys actually closed on the building? Because I know, you know, <laughs> was it a longer closing process? Was it just like the typical standard 30 days? And like, what were you guys' kind of intentions on going to the building those first? 30 to 60 days. Go ahead. Um, so uh, the process, we got under contract the end of July of 2021. Um, and we closed the end of October 2021. So it was a three, three-month process, hmm. um, which is not that long for those type of deals. It's... Um, I think it's pretty standard, honestly. Um, there are deals that close faster, but it's not, it, there are deals that take six, eight, eight 12, 12 months to close. So it wasn't that bad. Um, a lot of that has to do with the relationships with the lender to be able to establish the financing. Some of that time period is time period that we want anyway, because we want like a 30 day window for due diligence, due diligence, because we're literally, I mean, we're doing our own inspections where we're walking every single unit. So it's 52 units. We're walking 52 units. Um, then you have a lender who will send out an inspector or kind of like an appraiser that will want to walk a good majority, like 20%. They usually want to walk at least one type of each unit. 
um, and you, you want your contractors to walk the units and you're trying to get them in during that same window. You also want, if you're bringing in property management, you want them to see it so that they can, you know, advise on things that where they might see that you can add value or things that might be like a red flag type of thing. Um, so a good period of that is time that you want anyway to do your own due diligence to make sure it's still a good deal. Because even though we get T12s and we get rent rolls, I mean, none of it is really solidified. And so we start seeing like the leases and different things like that. And again, that is a part of the due diligence period. Mm -hmm. So that period was like three months um, and from contract to closing. Uh, since closing, um, it's been in, it's been, uh, it hasn't been bad, honestly, um, because first thing, there's a property manager. So <laughs> we don't have to deal with the, the day-to-day of things. Um, Jamil and I are asset managing it. Um, and which that means is you're, you're managing the asset and the, the rehab around it. So having to coordinate like landscapers and painters and roofers and asphalt guys, um, it can sometimes be challenging, but that's kind of the benefit of coming from the world that we're in. We were already doing it with single family. It's not much difference from that. It's just, you know, it's bigger budgets and, you know, so there are some things that you, you like, you don't, you, you don't usually have to, uh, meal and fill a, and, uh, uh, um, parking lot when you have a single family, but working with a contractor and paying in draws and, and, you know, getting contract, that's nothing new to us. Um, from a interior standpoint, there are a lot of things that were maybe missed in our inspections or maybe omitted in the discussions or just, you know, forgotten about. Um, there does seem to be a lot of deferred maintenance on the building that we did not know about and we're not aware of. But the good thing with that is we accounted for that with contingencies and kind of bumping budgets because we know that that happens. You just yeah. nothing is ever what it seems. And uh, you kind of get these surprises when you're rehabbing open walls and doing different things. But overall, the experience has been I like learning. So it's a new experience, although it's challenging sometimes. Um, to deal with certain things and to um, hear certain things that go on at the property, it's 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 an all new experience and it's something that we signed up for. Right. Um, and right. honestly, the property manager deals with the the, the, the hardest part, yes. which is the tenants the people. and the next stuff. So yeah. it's a lot easier when you're only having to deal with hearing from the property manager or dealing with the contractors. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just from a, a overall like this is just, you know, people are interested in wanting to hear the story, which is great because we want them to hear the story. We want yep. them to know and we want to be transparent in exactly how it happens. Because, again, it's, it's the brand is about showing people that it's, it's realistic. You can do it. It's nothing right. that we did that, you know, you guys can't do literally. So overall, it's been a great experience, honestly. Yeah. Awesome. That's dope. So the, when you when you were going through your due diligence period, did you hire a commercial appraiser? Because, again, because this is something that I'm working on. I didn't even know there was a such thing as a commercial appraiser. And that's totally different from a, I mean, an inspector. Um, and that's totally different. And it the time frame of, you know, um, doing that inspection takes a lot longer than it does for a residential. Um, and I know yeah. that um, one of my mentors, he said, get your own inspector because the bank is going to have theirs and they're looking out for their best interest. So you need to have someone looking out for your best interest. So did you guys wind up doing that? Yep. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's, uh, the beauty of it, uh, I, it is <laughs> me and Eric was talking about this when it happened. So an appraiser went out 
and um, came back with the number. We bought it for, was it 5.6 million? Yeah, we bought it for 5.6. We bought for 5.6 million. Uh, before we closed on the loan, appraiser said it's worth 7.8. Something like that. 7.2. Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> we, haven't, we, even, we even got to put, we didn't get to even start the asphalt painting yet. And before we even closed on a, on a, on a, on a uh, before we even owned the building yet, we was already uh, about one and a half million, close to two million in value more. So yeah, absolutely. To answer your question, yeah, get your own. Uh, we got our own and et cetera, inspectors, appraisers, all that. But that shows that why you need to have your own and have a second eyes and do it like that for sure. So speaking of this after appraisal value, I mean, you know, once you do all your value adds and you're already up a million in some change, are you guys going to flip this or are you going to hold it on, hold on to it? Like what, cause I know that there's some people in this space that flip apartment buildings, like big ones like yeah. this one. And yeah. um, I just wanted to know if that, if that's your, your path or are you holding on to it? Uh, so, um, so again, it's, for one, the decision is not solely ours. Um, right. it's, it's multitude of partners in it, um, five equity partners. Um, we go back and forth with it all the time, honestly. Um, sure. And that's the benefit of buying a good deal. Um, like Jamil mentioned, it appraised at a higher value prior to us even lifting a hammer. Um, so now we're kind of don't know where it will be once that we don't really know where the value will lie once we finish renovations. I mean, we had an idea um, of where it would be. So honestly, we go back and forth. Um, I believe the last conversation we had was that we would keep them because um, the 52 units are broken up into three different buildings. Um, initially, like during the like the, the the first conversations, we were planning on keeping the there's a 28 building, 28 unit building, and then there's two 12 unit buildings. We were saying that we would sell the rehab, the the two 12 unit buildings and then sell those and keep the 28. Um, like I said, I think the last conversation we were having, it was like, just keep them all. Keep them all. Yeah. Uh, so it, it kind of goes, it, it kind of goes back and forth. Um, right now we're just planning on keeping them all. Awesome. Awesome. And my other question is because I'm, I'm just so interested in your story because again, we're not seeing, at least I haven't come across too many, you know, um, black men that have bought like a huge multifamily like this, like 12 unit, 20 unit, maybe, but 52 unit. Like when you look at those buildings as a little kid, you don't even, you don't even fathom that you can buy something like that, you know, and to be honest, as an adult, be at my age today, years old, it's just like when I look at big buildings like that, I'm like, wow, I can I can actually try and buy something like that now where I had ne never, ever considered it before because it was such a big thing. Like, I know somebody older and white owns this and it's never going to happen for me. <laughs> so, you know, you yeah. guys out here showing people that we've done it. It's it's like, you know, um, you know how, you know, when you was little and you see, you know, a guy drive by in a Mercedes and you're like, that's my car. That's how that's how you you are doing it for the culture now like that's going to be my building when, you know when you're driving that's around and see, you know and you see a for sale sign or you know you see the information to contact them about this building it's like now i can internalize that i can do this too so it's amazing that you guys have done it and i just you know i just clap it up for you guys because it's it's amazing um and the way that you've explained it makes it makes it conceptual you know, like, okay, I can do these things. There's the steps that he, that they took to get to, get to that point, And I can do this too. So that's amazing. 
And um, just the fact that you started out, out as nine to fivers, nobody had given you a handout, like, you know, you use student loan money to make it happen. Like you, you're resourceful, <laughs> you're resourceful and you, you know, you're like, however we got to get it, we're going to get it. So that's, that's really encouraging to hear. Um, and just the name Monopoly Brothers, if anybody's paid, played Monopoly, you always buy the single families and then you trade them for the bigger yeah. thing. So that's, that's dope. I, and I just, I'm just so glad that, you know, you guys, you know, were able to take the time to speak to us today and, you know, just drop all these gems because, you know, like I said, when people, they're watching and they want to know how you're doing it and you know just you making it so tangible has been amazing oh thank you and honestly that was the goal i mean that's, that's part of the goal uh, once we did it i think it became more clear that yeah people need to know this because obviously we're looking to build generational wealth for ourselves and our family um and and make a living but you start to realize like we had to stop, step back and like, wait, that's not, it's not normal for a lot of us coming right. from the environments that we come from to say we are owners in a 52 unit building in a class A neighborhood. So when you start thinking about it in that way, it's like, okay, yeah, we probably do need to at least get this out to people because we didn't do anything special. We didn't do, like you said, we can conceptually, anybody can do this. And that was, I think, again, to the groups, um, like the importance of that group is like, that's what they were doing for us. They didn't, majority of them didn't look like us. Right. Like 99% of them <laughs> didn't look like us, but, but like they're, they're good people. Yeah, for sure. Um, And they were so forthcoming with what they were doing and how they did it. It just, it's just a trickle down effect. It's like, there's no reason why we can't do the same thing and right. just show people like you can do it. Right. You know? And I also think it's really key um, that you said a, a class A neighborhood, because a lot of times we as investors, we're looking at the class C neighborhoods because mm -hmm. one, the barrier to entry is a lot less, you know, yeah. to, it, you can, it's a f more affordable for us. And then two, there's the thing like we want to clean up our communities. We want to make them better. That's two. And then three, it's just like B and A, A neighborhoods are those, you know, those those far reaching goals. Right. Yeah. So it's also like tremendously um, important that you guys have bought in an A neighborhood because people people need to know that that this is possible. Yeah. I don't want you to think that um, you only have to buy in a hood. The hood is good. You know, the hood has gold and all of that. But sometimes it's just like I want the real big fish. So yeah, I'm yeah. going to put the real big bait out there. So, yeah. you know, um, that's that's really key. Um, and, you know, just just from, you know, my my uh, my looking at different properties, I'm always looking at is this a C, you know, C building? Is this the A building? You know, and it's just like the value that other people put on those like the lenders. That's important, too, because. Yes. It will make make or break a deal. You know, they'll be like, yeah. oh, that's that's a C building. I don't want no parts of that, you know, and then you yeah. have to find other alter, alternate methods of obtaining that property. So that's, that's really key. Point. Yeah, it's a really good point. Honestly, yeah. it yeah. makes the lending process a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Much easier. But yeah, I mean, and go ahead. My friend, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so uh, what does life look like next for you guys? Like, what are you guys' plans in the next, you know, six to 12 months as far as this building, other buildings you guys might have interest in, or just all of that? Yeah. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, we have big goals, I'm be honest with you. And um, 
our new thing is a uh, thousand shares, a thousand units. That's that's kind of our new thing. A thousand shares, so it's purely stock, right? And then a thousand units, right? That's our goal. But for us to get there, right? And that may not be a six to twelve month thing, but I kind of break down to six to twelve months is is a few things. One is, is building a platform that we got help from, or we can help others that's looking to get into multifamily space, right? The beauty of doing this deal is now that um, we are we are now able to um, uh, be that source in that education platform for people to learn how to get break into multifamily. So that's like one aspect of it, like being an educational uh, networking kind of hub for those looking to do that. That's like in the next six to 12 months, right? And um, part of that's kind of what we did, right? Bringing in people that that have that has that can raise the money, people that's trying to find a deal, people that got connections, right? And building that hub and we're trying to really grow that. That's one aspect. Uh, the second aspect is uh, just really go on marketing even more, right? So not only doing cold calling, we want to get some mailers out. We want to get text blast out. We want to really um, go after these uh, apartment uh, buildings even more in a sense of boosting and being more consistent with our marketing. So just going for more deals, right? So that's six to 12 months. And then buying um, at least, you know, I say 20, 50, and 100 this year. Like that's that's like the next six to 12 months, right? Another 50 to 100 between that time. And then on the other standpoint, I said we have business as well with this, you know, wholesaling and, 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 and flipping and things like that. And, and that's all plays a part into it. So it's kind of like a three-headed dragon, right? We got our brand on one end, Monopoly Bros, that we, we're really proud of and we love. And 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 really, I think it's going to help us actually find more deals and raise money because that's another big play for us to raise money, right? And um, be able to have our own investors uh, to be a part of it. The part is finding more deals. And the last part is uh, hitting our other uh, business and getting more active income and such through flipping, wholesaling and, and, and other things like that. So that's kind of like a six to 12 month thing. And all of it is just day by day, uh, branding, marketing uh, and, and, and marketing for, for sellers and for people that's interested in joining our uh, kind of our journey and, and be a part of this, this multifamily space because anybody can do it. So. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm just going to give you one quick thing because my, my brain is always churning. Um, yeah. So you you said that you guys want to get into the education space and you also want to raise money. I would just set it up as an NFT. Set up your NFTs for people to have the training. And then those people that have the training, they have the opportunity to get into a syndication with you guys to fund your next project. So, you know, like you said, like, um, uh, I forgot what, how you phrased it, but like, you know, it, it would just give them equity into, you know, a small ownership portion. Oh, but got you. Yeah. Providing you with the funds to do the next deal. So it's just gotcha. like a small way for people to invest, like a fundraise or uh, I forget, Caltier. They they do similar things like this. Like people can, you know, just um, buy a buy a, pro- a part of the fund for $500. But instead, you can do it with the NFT because this is, you know, it's on a blockchain, it's secure. And this is how you get into the the education part. So you guys, you have a mentorship or a class and me and Tremaine, we buy NFT to get to this class. So once you guys are ready for your next deal, because we already own NFTs, we get first dibs on helping you fund that mm-hmm. deal. So that's, that's, that's just a way to think oh. of it. And, you know, um, you can also monetize NFT going forward, you know, for people that already own it. So it's just a way, you know, that, you know, I, I was thinking as you guys was talking, like, this is so great. I just need to tell them this. <laughs> no, I love it. No, no, no. no. I really yeah, appreciate that. That's something we'll probably end up talking again more about. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. That has my my brain turning too, and because yeah. that that metaverse uh, or um, dirt digital world is a 
kind of still slightly untapped with certain things. So that that has me thinking about some things too. Absolutely. Kind of got roadblocked with some other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the listeners that's listening to this, where can they uh, reach out to you guys if they want to follow up with you? Yeah, I mean, so our two main forms of, of, of reaching out to us is um, monopoly.bros, monopoly.bros on Instagram. Um, and then through that, you can schedule a one-on-one call if you like to. Um, and actually, if you want to speak to us and have questions, things like that, it's in our link tree in our bio. And then Twitter, um, which is uh, monopoly underscore underscore bros underscore um twitter and instagram is where we're most active on you guys schedule a one-on-one call but you know we host free we host free meetups here in detroit we're going to start doing some more uh webinars and getting things out there to kind of uh, really educate and really like i said bring people together i think education is one part but um a lot of the value me and eric got was really the networking and, and, and relationship building so it, we're gonna go a little bit different man that be your typical educational platform that most people do it's more so things like this that us community. four can be yeah community exactly community where us yeah. four right now we can be more our relationship gets stronger and stronger and stronger and and, and that's where we want to build so it'd be a little bit of both but instagram monopoly.bros twitter monopoly underscore bros underscore is uh, the best way to uh you know Tap in with us and, and, and follow the journey and, and just be a part of this. Yes, sir. Awesome. Well, awesome. For taking the time to come out here and talk to us because, you know, I've learned a lot. I'm sure Zena learned a lot and I'm just ready to dig more into this commercial space. Yes, <laughs> we, we, we want to be at your meetup in Detroit. We're both close to there. So for sure. Oh yeah. We, we got some, we're going to, we're going to have some stuff. You, do, you guys are definitely going to be there first and foremost. You guys are, coming so let's yeah. put that out there and then two <laughs> uh, um you know i don't know if you guys have been to detroit before uh but uh we, we definitely gotta get you out there and then uh yeah we're opening it up maybe get some guest speakers get some things going and, and uh you know i love to have you guys there yeah we can live we can live stream it on the pod <laughs> Ooh, a little live stream on the pod i like what you're getting there. yeah 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 All right, well, thank you guys so much. Uh, it is such a pleasure, immense pleasure to meet both of you and to be tapped in with you guys. Um, for our listeners, please, if you're interested in the commercial space at all and you just have questions, please reach out to these guys. They have a wealth of information um, and, you know, they encourage you to dream bigger. So let's dream bigger. Right. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. No, we appreciate you guys for bringing us on. Absolutely. Sure. Thank Me you so too. much. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. I'm Tremaine, a.k.a. the 9 to 5 Landlord. And I'm Zena Dixon, a.k.a. Zena Dixon, Inc. All right. Peace out, y'all.